to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you here tonight is, well, you're going to hear from Gary Bettman, and you're going to hear his press conference from yesterday as we have some resume-to-play scenarios that have been agreed upon and now can be looked at, cut apart, debated, but at least some progress in terms of when possibly the National Hockey League could begin. And then to help us break that down is going to be the Blues TV analyst, national TV analyst as well with NBC and has done work with TSN and Rogers up in Canada. Of course, you know him as Panger. It's Darren Pang. He'll be joining us as well. Tonight's show, of course, brought to you each and every week by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. I use some of the product in my home when I just finished a basement, and you can get it too from them. Take my word for it. I put them in my home. My wife loves the flooring. I love the flooring. They did the stairs with the flooring as well. They're a local family-owned business doing quality work in our community for more than 22 years. The three area showrooms are open. Give them a call at 314-730-3100 or shop online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to bring you Gary Bettman's press conference so you hear from him. But we figured we'd kick it off right off the top with Darren Pang and get his thoughts on everything that went down. Panger, how you doing, buddy? I am doing very well, and I will uh, back you up on those stairs. I was at your place recently. And uh, they're solid, solid stairs. They could handle this little guy with gumption going up and down a few times. Yeah, you know uh, what? I appreciate that. I wasn't so much worried about the little guy with gumption. I was worried more about how they could handle two dogs and three girls, and uh, they're tough. I mean, the dogs (laughs) and girls, but so are the stairs. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But, but, you know, in order to go up and down and and utilize what you're going to have an incredible uh, downstairs, that's a playroom, let's face it, that's a – Yes, that's that's a it's a man cave slash uh, everybody's uh, area, but uh, you're you're going to need good stairs because that's going to that's going to make sure that 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 house lasts another hundred years, my friend. And I'm going to need it for that long. I hope uh, that that'll be the <laughs> truth. All right, Banger, let's get into this. Uh, so the National Hockey League over the weekend came out with kind of their health protocol, a 22 page memo on how phase two is going to open up all the health issues and, and things that the St. Louis blues and, and other teams around the league are going to have to put into place just to be able to open up their facilities and all. And then yesterday, Gary Bettman yesterday afternoon with the official announcement of the return to play scenario. Let's start with the return to play scenario. What, what are your general thoughts on the fact that they decided to go with the points percentage way of ending the regular season as is, and then beginning this expanded playoffs with 12 teams from each conference. You know, the, the longer it went, Curbs, and the more information I gathered, the, the, the less I'm surprised by this. Um, I, I think uh, not that time was running out, but I think you have to make a decision. Uh, there were some, and I know there were some players that I talked to that said, hey, uh, rubber the green is a great thing in golf, and sometimes you get a break along the way. Uh, maybe the playoffs should just start the way they are without the 12 versus 5, uh, you know, to, to include 24 teams curbs. You know what I mean? The right. teams that were in the playoffs at the time that COVID-19 hit everybody on March 12th, those are the teams that are in. You know what? It's, it, it, it's tough luck that maybe some team was hotter. Maybe some team, you know, was uh, was gaining a little bit of momentum or grabbed a hot goaltender. Um, so there was a lot of players uh, around the league, not just, not just our players in St. Louis curbs, they were looking at the integrity of the competitive balance of who gets in the playoffs. And, and obviously the eight teams are the ones that uh, 
um, have the ability to play for the Stanley Cup. Well, now we've added a new wrinkle. Um, what does this mean, Curbs? I think it means a whole lot of fun. Uh, I keep looking at the, the Western Conference, and I see the Oilers and the Hawks, the Predators and the Coyotes, Canucks and Wild, and Flames and Jets. Are you kidding me? The Flames and Jets? That's, that, to me, is something that, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to see it uh, because of the way 2-3 was going to work out in, in the Central Division. Um, but I'm, I'm really I'm excited about this whole format, and, I, and I, I think there'll be some that'll be a little bit more skeptical, but I think at the end of the day, the best team generally does end up winning it, and uh, hopefully that'll be the case this year with the defending champs. You know, and the one thing that the league has talked a lot about is the integrity of the playoff tournament, the integrity of actually winning the Stanley Cup. But one thing that I do also think that while it wasn't talked about as much, I believe was just as important was the integrity of your regular season. And you had played teams that played as many as 71 games, some as few as 68. So you're within three games there. Unfortunately, the one team that with the system that was set up that really has a beef might be the Buffalo Sabres. But at the same time, you had 68 games and you just weren't very good. So, yeah, maybe you do squeak in. But by doing it the way they did and eventually picking a cutting point, they have kept some integrity of at least the 68-game regular season that had been played. It meant well, it had to he- mean something. Yeah, it's a heck of a lot more than in uh, 1995 when the Eastern Conference only played the East, the Western Conference only played the West. They've only played 48 games. I mean, here we're up to, what, is that 92% of the schedule has been played already? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it is tough luck. I was I was thinking at the beginning that maybe they would get to a number like, let's call it 75, because there are teams like the New Jersey Devils have played two fewer games than the Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal Canadiens are going to get in. So if you equal it all out and New Jersey won their last, let's say, call it three games, and Montreal lost their last game because they only had one left to get to 75, let's say hypothetically, uh, then that would that would even bring more integrity. But um, I think the logistics of it all are, were just too difficult to do. When you're talking about a hub city, when you're talking about getting everybody together, and that would be for a, an undisclosed amount of games. So I, I think this is the best they could do, Curbs, in this situation. These are tough decisions to make, but um, that's, that's what you've got to do. And, and I think the NHL has done a great job of, of leading of the four major sports to make a decision to a- end it and then to move forward here. Well, and another way to look at this is we're joined by Darren Pang talking about the return-to-play scenarios announced yesterday by the National Hockey League on tonight's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Fans, if you go to the NHL website, NHL.com, part of the standings now, they actually did the standings by points percentage. So it's all spelled out right there. If you're the Buffalo Sabres panger or the New Jersey Devils, as you just mentioned, and you're kind of knocking on that door and you still had a chance to maybe get in, you know, highly unlikely, but still a chance – you know, and then you're wondering, well, if the Canadians were there, we're right behind the Canadians. The reality of it is, is if you're one of those teams right now, you're back with a doggone good percentage chance in terms of the draft lottery. So the Buffalo Sabres weren't going to win a Stanley Cup. They were probably not going to make the playoffs. Same with the New Jersey Devils. By the yep. way things have gone now, those two franchises once again put themselves in a great draft position, which might be better off for the franchise than if they resumed to play to play in this expanded tournament. Yeah, you are correct about that. I mean, look at a team like, I mean, the the, the Blackhawks at this point, you know, they're they're the last team. They're going to play the Edmonton Oilers. They 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 traded their number one goaltender that they signed in a one year deal for five million dollars in Robin Lanner. They got, acquired some assets at the trade deadline. They thinking they were going to be a lottery team, <laughs> and yeah. now look what happened. Now they're above the line, 
and it's Anaheim, Los Angeles, you know, the San Jose Sharks, Buffalo Sabres, New Jersey, Ottawa, and Detroit. And Detroit, they deserve to get, they deserve yes, to get they the number one pick for the year uh, that, that they had, winning only 17 games and 49 losses. Uh, this season. So they've got still, what do they have, still an 18.5% chance at, at the yep. first overall pick? Well, think think of it like this. You're the Chicago Blackhawks. You are now going to play a best-of-five series against the Edmonton Oilers. If you win that series, you become one of the 16 teams that then competes in the playoff rounds for the Stanley Cup. You've gone from knowing that uh, you are probably going to miss the playoffs and a good chance at a top-10 pick, possibly, Right to knowing now that you won't pick in the top 15, 16, 17 teams. Yeah, and, and so, again, the, 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 you have to just yep. – now, and imagine if you do that and you go all the way, that's one thing. You do that and then you lose in that next round, however they do the seeding, that creates a different scenario. And you guarantee you, a smart general manager is going to go, man, I rather probably would have not have played and have just made sure I got the, I get the high draft pick and go from there. We are talking with Darren Pang of uh, Fox Sports Midwest, national TV analyst as well in the National Hockey League. We're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, some real specifics about what came out yesterday. For example, how long is it going to take the players to get up to speed? What about round-robin matchups? You know, how about getting players back to the home markets? We're going to rifle through all these scenarios with Darren Pang in a moment. You're listening to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show, and it's right here on 101 ESPN. Into the boardwalk car with floors behind the bench show. Chris Kerber with you here on a Wednesday night. Hey, during a pause, we're still bringing you plenty of hockey. We've got this weekend hockey on Tuesdays. We've got the boardwalk car with floors behind the bench show on Wednesdays. And then we still have two more weeks, including tomorrow night and Friday night of Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup. And of course, Darren Pang and John Kelly have been kind enough to help us throughout these replays to bring us their perspective of what happened tomorrow night, starting at six o'clock, the pregame show, game two of the Western, or I'm sorry, of the Stanley Cup final between the Blues and the Bruins. And Darren Pang joins us tomorrow night as well to help us break that down. Panger, let's let's get into some real specific questions. And again, a little later on in the show, folks, I'll have the Gary Bettman's press conference for you. If you missed it, we're going to bring it to you so you can really hear just right from the commissioner of the National Hockey League the breakdown of how it goes. So phase two is going to start sometime within the next couple weeks where players in small groups of no more than six can go to the team facilities and start practicing on their own without coaches. There are still health protocols, including some testing that gets into put in place around that. Phase three would be the opening of an official training camp. Gary Bettman said that uh, they would hope to do that sometime by mid-July. To do that, then, another level of testing and things have to get in place. How long training camps could go? Well, that's up for debate Gary Bettman did say they anticipate anywhere from a two- to three-week training camp. But, Panger, the big question is, and I know you've talked to some veteran players, how long do you think it'll take for players to really get up to speed, one, for their own safety, and then two, for the quality of play? Well, number one, the the players that I've talked to have, have really urged me not to say that this is going to be a quick uh, a quick transition for them. No, this will not take one, two uh, two and a half or three weeks. Uh, maybe for some players it will, um, but the fact of the matter is this is an odd time already to get back onto the ice. The, the, the Stanley Cup had already been played. Uh, the World Championships have already played. The KHL Championship, you know. So there was only two teams left uh, just a little bit ago between the Blackhawks and, and between the uh, Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. So 
you know, the the players aren't used to getting the gear on right now. It has been a, it's been a long time. So what what I'm saying is these players need this small group time. The one month of, of just being at camp, even if it's four or five or six players on the ice at one time, curbs, that's very, very important. Uh, just to get the legs going, the hip flexors, the lower back, the groins, the quads, the calves, um, the, these are essential parts of skating. You cannot replicate this. You can maybe do it a little bit with inline blading, but, but still uh, not the same. You're not stopping and starting with inline blading. You're not on a bike, well, whether it be a Peloton or whether you're going through Forest Park and you're biking pretty well, or you, uh, you're not stopping and starting. You're not. You're, you're getting your endurance up, and that's great. Um, but uh, you know, the, the top bicyclist in the NHL uh, didn't win too many Art Ross trophies. So, <laughs> so it's those are some of the things that concern me. And so, what I'm saying is, um, these players aren't just going to be able to jump into it and get their timing right. So, with the small groups in June that'll be perfect to set them up for a training camp in uh, early to mid-July, and that where the competitive juices get flowing. Everybody gets used to what, what the protocol is at the rink. You mentioned the testing. There'll be double testing. Um, there'll be small groups at the rink. I don't even know if uh, local media uh, curbs will be allowed to partake inside the arena. So there's a lot of questions to be asked right now, but, but I think as far as the player is concerned, we've got to respect the fact that this is not – um, like the schedule that they're, they're, they're normally on. And they're creatures of habit. So uh, we need to give them some time and make sure that they kind of glide right into this. And, and then by the time mid-July comes in, that they're, you know, they're back to you know, decent enough, competitive enough shape that they're going to be able to, to roll out into that round robin. Well, after Gary Bettman uh, gave his speech, Mike Tirico on NBC Sports Network interviewed Don Fear. And Don Fear said, look, the training camp, the, the, in terms of the length, to your point, it's going to be as long as the guys need. And he actually That's said right. it pretty much just like that. He said it's going to be as long as it's needed. So if it needs to go an extra week or two because that's what they feel is needed, then they will do that. And the the National Hockey League has worked flexibility into this process. I think they've been very smart about that. What about when play gets started, Panger, in terms of how you think – teams are built could be an advantage of a disadvantage let's say a quicker team versus a heavier team i i think this is going to be an interesting conversation um let's say i mean everybody thinks the edmonton Oilers are the quickest team they're, they're not the quickest team they've got the quickest player uh no question the quickest team for me uh are the colorado avalanche and i, I i'm not sure if you'd agree or not but everything from their transition to obviously uh the way that nathan mckinnon goes right. uh they, I, I think they've got the, the most explosive, fastest team out there. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets are next, um, especially you know with their forwards. Um, so my thought is you've got the St. Louis Blues. Um, they play fast, but they're not fast. Um, they play heavy, but they're not the biggest team in the NHL. And, and my, my belief going into this is I, I, I put some thought into it. I think positional play and holding on to pucks, Maintaining possession in the offensive zone, heavy on the cycle. To me, the hardest thing about returning to play, whether it's training camp, whether it's from an injury, summer off, is stops and starts and defending. That's why we have so many goals scored in October, November curbs, and it slows down because the defending players, okay, I've got to stop. Okay, I've got to block that shot. It takes hard work. So I think a team like the St. Louis Blues will have the advantage because the fast teams will play reckless, and reckless can be sloppy. 
and the team, a team like Chicago, a team like Boston, um, these are the teams for me that will control the play and wear down the opposition. And so I'm just going to go on an, uh, on an early side of, of thinking that, that the heavier, more experienced, more experienced team like St. Louis will have the advantage once we get into a seven-game series. I don't know about the round-robin curves, and uh, I think we should get into the round-robin because this is a much more difficult animal than playing a seven-game series. All right, so the round-robin scenario, folks, is this. When the teams get going, 12 teams in each conference, the bottom eight teams in each conference, in the West, that would be Edmonton, Chicago, Nashville, Arizona, Vancouver, Minnesota, Calgary, Winnipeg. In the East, it would be Pittsburgh, Montreal, Carolina, Rangers, Islanders, Florida, Toronto, Columbus. Those teams are basically going to be playing a best-of-five series to see which four teams advance to take on the top four teams in each conference. The top four teams in each conference have to be playing something. You can't take a team that just played three or five games and then throw them against a team that hasn't played in months and not expect some kind of competitive imbalance. And we've seen that because of the most recent history is what teams have come out of their bye weeks and played teams that have been playing, and there's a losing percentage of, of like 80% in those games. So it was important for those top four teams to get some games. What the National Hockey League has decided is the top four teams in each conference will play a round robin against each other in the conference. In other words, the St. Louis Blues will play a game against Colorado, a game against Las Vegas, and a game against the Dallas Stars. They will earn points like the regular season for two for a win, one for an overtime loss. Overtime in the round robin of the top four teams will be handled like the regular season, five minutes, three on three, and then a shootout if necessary. Any tiebreaker goes to the regular season points percentage. So in this case, the Blues would win the tie-breaking scenario against any team that have a tie-in. You put that all together, Panger, and it's a round-robin tournament to determine the top four seeds. So whoever has the most points through that round-robin tournament, much like a lot of hockey tournaments are handled, they'd become the top seed, then the second seed, third seed, fourth seed. You've played in round-robin tournaments. Give me your perspective on what you can anticipate as a player in this situation. Yeah, my my uh, my experience in the Memorial Cup, which is the Canadian Championship, uh, you, you when you win your you know your um, uh, your league. So for me, it was the Ontario Hockey League. Then then you combine the Quebec League and the Western Hockey League, and you all come together. And there's a little bit of a break, and then you you play in this round robin tournament. Uh, and I, I just remember going into the first one after we'd played the Kitchener Rangers, the Oshawa Generals, the Cornwall Royals in seven game series. Then you turn into this round robin. And uh, a short story on this, I remember seeing Mario Lemieux walk into the building and, and everybody was looking at him like, oh my goodness, that's Mario Lemieux. And we, we had playing them the first game and our whole team, we weren't very good. We, we had no edge to our game. Um, we, we didn't know the opposition very well. It'll be different in the NHL because that'll put a lot of, you know, we, we already know uh, the video on, on Colorado and Vegas and, and Dallas. Um, and Sean Farrell and our coaches staff do a great job of that. Uh, but the, uh, the the fact is that you start that off and you kind of just you tippy toe into the water a little bit, and then as you maybe you play your second game, oh, okay, you got it going, and then next thing you know, you're zero and two in the round robin, and right. you know now you're behind it. So to start out a round robin with that angst and that you know that mm, we don't like these guys is very very important to 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 pretend like that's a a best of seven series in itself. And you've got to win three straight against those teams. Um, I guess that would be a best of five. But the, the fact too, is that the players in some of these calls um, that the PA had, 
and some of them were long and a little arduous. Um, what came out of that was the top team said, we need to play. Right. And that's how they came up with this uh, round robin, which I think is a, a brilliant idea. Um, is it the most fair? I don't know, but I think it's great. It'll be competitive. They're the four top teams. They know each other. They don't like each other. And, uh, and so I think it'll bring some good hockey. Maybe not the first game. Maybe not the second half of the second game or the first half of the second game. But I think by the end, you're going to see some real competitive games as those teams try to get back into gear curbs. Well, and look at the integrity part of it. Look, the St. Louis Blues from a points percentage were still first in, in the West. But if Colorado had won one game and the Blues didn't play, Colorado would be. Mm-hmm. So for the Blues to have to battle for that top spot seems perfectly fair. And yeah, okay, so it gives Vegas and Dallas a chance to win the top spot. You know, so be it. It's a unique situation that we're dealing with. Boston had a much larger lead over Tampa. But again, between Tampa, Washington, and Philadelphia, the next three spots could have gone anywhere. And so, I, I again, everything's not going to be completely fair. But this does put you in a better competitive advantage to play once you get to that round of 16. One other last thought on this one, Panger, before we take another quick break and then get into a few more things. Some fans may say, well, I don't know if the seating really matters at that point. Well, it's going to have to matter because one of the big aspects of having home ice advantage in a round, even if we're going to play in a hub, is who gets the last change. And so how you get seated could determine if you're playing the best of seven games, even in a hub city. And they said, well, St. Louis, you would have been the home city. In Colorado, you'd have been the visiting. So in the first two games, and then in games five and seven, St. Louis gets the last change, and you get to dictate who you're putting Ryan O'Reilly out against. That, that, that's a big advantage. Uh, it is, absolutely. I mean, last year during the run, if I had a, a vote for the MVP, um, it, would, it would, and I don't know how close it ended up being for the uh, Consmite Trophy, but Colton Pareko absolutely deserved to be somewhere way up there. Um, maybe top three. Uh, maybe at the end of the day, it was Ryan O'Reilly, Pareko, and Jordan Binnington uh, in no particular order. Um, I, you're a coaching staff. You're you're running the D, and, and you've got Pareko, and last year was obviously Jay Bowmeister, and you put them out on the ice at five-on-five five, uh, in any situation up against the Marchand line. Look, look what that line did. They, they, they were right. ineffective, and they were a great line. They're one of the best lines in hockey. That's how good Pareko and Bowmeister were. Bowmeister now obviously not returning to play. Marco Scandell is there. But you, you've got a chance with last change to have that big horse up against any other player. It, 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 he's I don't know. He's unstoppable, in my opinion. So it is important to get it. Now, the team goes on the road, and they went on the road in Game 7 in Boston and won anyway. A lot of times, we overplayed a little bit. But for your center iceman, that's a big factor. If you know that Ryan O'Reilly's at about 65% in that game, and you can get him out on every key defensive zone faceoff, then incredible. Sometimes you get on the road, and, and maybe Ivan Barbashev's red hot, and the coaching staff says, you know what, I, I got Barbashev anyway. I'll get him out there. Um, or what what have you. So there are, you know, different strategies to go along with it. But I'll take my chances on the Blues being a matchup team with Pareko and Ryan O'Reilly being on the ice in last change over not having that. Folks, your dial is not broken. You are tuning into 101 ESPN. This is a live radio show, and we are actually talking real hockey scenarios for the first time in a couple of months. That kind of tingling feeling, that almost orgasmic feeling you have, it's actually legitimate scenarios that we're dealing with. And we've got one more with Darren Pang coming right up in a moment. We'll continue with the Boardwalk Cardboard Floors Behind the Bench show right after this on 101 ESPN. 
right, we bring you back into the Boardwalk Carbo Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you. My big thanks to Darren Pang giving us some time here this evening, a chance to really talk some hockey that we haven't been able to do with some legitimate scenarios that are going to play out for the first time in a couple of months. Coming up in our final segment of the show, we will bring you Gary Bettman's entire press conference from yesterday when he made the announcement. So if you missed any of the news in terms of how the cities are going to be played, where they may go, all the breakdown of number of teams, including even how the draft scenario is going to work, stay tuned. If you missed any of that, you'll hear it straight from Gary Bettman in the final segment of the show tonight. Panger, a few other scenarios uh, based off of the announcement yesterday to go through with you. Uh, Number one, the Hub City scenario. What do you anticipate the mental aspect and mental toughness of the hub city scenario could mean when Gary Bettman says that they anticipate you could play the play in rounds plus the first two rounds of the playoffs in about a month or so, which means if you're going to get to the conference final and the Stanley cup final, you could be in that hub city for up to two months. Yeah, you, you could be. And and obviously this is one of major concern um, for the players. I think everybody is very sensitive to this. I know here in St. Louis, we've had, um, some of the players, uh, their wives have just recently had babies. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, the Bozaks uh, uh, are two examples of that. Some, like you know, an Alexander Steen still has a young child. Uh, the, the main concern is, okay, uh, we're going to leave. What about our families? Uh, who's going to like? They, I know you can get help. You can get family coming in, but but there are rules and regulations on on people. You know coming in from other countries to help out. A lot of our players' wives, they might be from Sweden, they might be from Canada, there might be limitations, they might be older. So I think that is one of the bigger concerns. And being away that long, um, listen, the, the playoffs are a two-month run. The nice thing about the players is when they do get back home, they do, they do get away from the rink and they do get to be with their family. Uh, when they're on the road, as you well know, Curbs, they're focused on the game, they're in hotel rooms, they know they've got a mission. I think once they get there, uh, on the road, um, and not every team is going to be there for a couple of months. I mean, let's face it, it's, it's only going to come down to the last four teams that are going to be there the longest. Right. Some of these teams are going to be one and done and out, but um, there are always going to be concerns health-wise, and I know the NHL and the NHLPA curbs are doing everything in their power to, to make sure that everybody's satisfied with whatever schedule that they have. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I feel for, I mean, I do still feel for them at this time. It's been an odd time, and wives. Um, I have been really relying on their husbands, not as hockey players, as, as dads, as partners. And it's been an important time for them to be together with their family. So um, I know that there's some concern with the players, and I, I know that they'll maybe not figure this out in its entirety, but I think they'll come up with some plans here. The bracket versus the reseeding aspect of it uh, come the playoffs. So, folks, what's going to happen is those bottom eight teams, and again, I'll just stick to the Western Conference here for just for for ease person. In, in the play-in rounds, Edmonton will play Chicago. Nashville will play Arizona. Vancouver will play Minnesota. Calgary will play Winnipeg. The winner of each of those series moves on to take, and basically I'll call it the round of 16, uh, if you will. Yeah. The debate to be, that they have not come to a conclusion on, Darren, is do they set up the playoffs in a bracket format or do they set it up in a reseeding format? The reseeding format for the fans out there would be then whoever. The Blues were the top team. The number one seed after the play-in rounds, and the Blackhawks were to make it through, the Blackhawks being the lowest-seeded team from the points percentage aspect, the Blues would play the Blackhawks. The National Hockey League has plenty of history in doing this, as well, as recent as just a few years ago before they went back to the divisional playoffs. 
the divisional playoffs is much more like a bracket scenario uh, than than the other one where you basically had one through eight and then reseeded all the way through. The one thing that we do need to note is I think the National Hockey League would prefer, according to Bettman's comments, to have the bracket scenario. But they said that if it's important for the players to have it the other way, they're fine with it. So I think the National Hockey League is going to acquiesce to whatever the players want on this one. How would you view it, Darren? I would agree with the players on this. I think for the integrity of the game, I think the reseeding uh, makes it um, not more legitimate because anytime you have to to win best of sevens, you know you're legitimized. But I think the reseeding format brings the most integrity. So I would absolutely go for that, um, and um, th- that's why it you know does it puts more emphasis on that on that. Uh, uh, round robin yep. of the top four teams. I mean, it, it just does. Uh, let's say Chicago gets by, you know, the, the, uh, the Oilers. I mean, you, the, the Blues are, are, are much more stronger. They're just a stronger team. They, they, they're, uh, even though it's a big rivalry with Chicago, uh, the Blackhawks have taken a step back the last couple of years, and the Blues are taking a step forward. So, I mean, you want to play the team that's, that's I, for me, that, uh, that's had the, the, the least amount of success in the regular season. And, and, you know, whether it's Chicago or whether it's the Coyotes, you've got the Wild, you got the – they're all going to be difficult games. But but I, I think reseeding in that format makes the most amount of sense. And I, and I do believe when Gary Bettman says that, that the, the players have obviously brought that up a number of times in the NHLPA. Uh, they don't want something hokey. They want something that's uh, – it's legitimate and has integrity, and I think that does it. Okay, another few aspects of the uh, return-to-play scenarios. You can expect rosters to be expanded. Basically, all the minor league teams are done. Bill Daly came out in, in his post-announcement press conference and said, we expect those minor league players to be available for the big league clubs, however the big league clubs want to use them, and we expect those players to be available to play if the NHL club wants it to be that way. Another aspect uh, of this uh, that has been decided as well is as of at least right now, you know, you cannot sign any other players to play in this current season. You can play, you can sign players to the 2021 season, not for the current one. So in, in you know, in, in the situation of a college player coming in, you know, you'll just have to wait and see if that rule changes and whether or not they would be available for the current playoff situation as it is. Panger, one other aspect of this uh, that I th- I'm, I'm most fascinated by, and this is one of the reasons, along with the mental aspects of a hub city, that I think that winning the Stanley Cup this year could maybe be the hardest Stanley Cup to win. And that's because if you were sitting in the Eastern Conference and you're the Boston Bruins, if you're going to take on the number eight team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know you, you, know you were going to be in for a battle no matter what. And they proved that last yeah. year when the Blue Jackets beat, beat Tampa Bay. However, th- this was a walking wounded unit. I mean, they, they were decimated with injuries. Well, now they're coming back in a healthy standpoint. So you're not necessarily facing a team that would be, quote-unquote, your typical number eight seed. I checked it out. The Columbus Blue Jackets right now are about 70-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. That may be some pretty reasonable odds to put a bet down on these guys. The the reason I say that is because all of a sudden a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets or a team like even if a, a player returns for the Chicago Blackhawks and there's a new lease on life with some of the experience that they have, these become extraordinarily dangerous teams, and it is a totally different scenario for these teams now having a chance to play for a Stanley Cup much healthier than they would have been had things started back in the early uh, weeks of April. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think we've all been monitoring what teams were banged up at that time, 
And I give credit to John Tortorella and his coaching staff. Brad Shaw, we know him real well. Uh, they went through maybe more adversity than any team in the NHL, and they hung in there, and they put themselves in a, in a pretty decent spot. Uh, they played a team game. They played a hard game. And uh, every night was a competitive competitive game. I thought Foligno was led by example for Columbus as, you know, as a team that, uh, that will use as an example. Um, and, and you're right. That, that becomes a, a real dangerous team. Um, you know, I think there's, I, I think getting up to speed anyway um, is, uh, is going to be a real interesting part of it. Um, we know what the Blues look like, Curbs, when they, when, they get, when they get up to speed. We know what that movie looks like when they get going, and, it, and it's easy to tell. Right. And, uh, but for some of those other teams, it takes them a long time to get going and to find their identity, and, and uh, they could find themselves uh, right out of the mix in a real hurry. Uh, if, if they don't find it quickly. Hey, another team that's, and, and this is a big one, another team that benefited probably tremendously from a health standpoint with this pause when they get things going again is going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now they're going to face off against the Montreal Canadiens in a best of yeah. five where Carey Price could easily steal a series on you in a best of five situation. But having said that, my goodness, getting the full regiment of roster there for for Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, they they once again become a different threat. So that to me, that's an amazingly fascinating aspect of, of this return to play scenario. Well, you know, I keep in touch with Kirk Muller, who's an associate coach with the Montreal Canadiens, and you know, as the year was going on, I, I mean, it was quite clear they weren't making the playoffs, and uh, and and here, you know, here they have maybe the most dangerous goaltender out there. They've got a defenseman now in Shea Weber that that's healthy, yep. uh, and he's one of the best. And then they've got a, a a lot of little guys with gumption that can fly around out there. So uh, now now all of a sudden you're not going to the rink and packing up your bag for the summertime and maybe looking for a new deal somewhere. If your deal is up, now you're like, whoa, we could upset the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, and and really you know bring something special here to to, to Montreal and the fans of Montreal. So. A lot of teams got a new lease in life, and then that's going to be exciting to watch. Some of them are going to take advantage of it, and some of them are just not going to be good enough. That's going to be the fact. All right, a long distance uh, last thing for you here again as we've just tried to break into as many little aspects of this return-to-play scenario as we can. One of the things that's not going to get a lot of talk about right now is the seven teams that are not going to play. Mm-hmm. They basically will have been off since the beginning of March. If the start of the next season is delayed until November, and Gary Bettman said they could delay the start of the season until December or January if necessary. But let's just say, let's just say it reasonably feels that Thanksgiving would be a starting time for the 2021 season. If you do that, you're talking about these teams being off for eight months. That's as long as anyone in this league has been off when you're not talking about a lockout year, you know, or, uh, you know, when, when they lost the entire season. That's that. That's another thing for again the teams that aren't playing. They're going to have to deal with that aspect of it. That's a lot of time for a lot of these players to have downtime. It is. They they almost need a, a special league um, <laughs> in the summertime too. Uh, I know there's a couple of leagues in uh, in Minnesota during the summertime and uh, and and all around the nation. But I think these players are going to have to, you know, especially young players. We 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 know full well a, a young Brady Kachuk is a is a good example. We've seen the. Robbie Fabry's now with the Detroit Red Wings, and this is an important part of their careers. And and the, I mean, the only one thing that's of redeeming value is that um, everybody's going through it. So I mean, uh, this COVID nineteen is, a, is it's, it's affected everybody. It's not a, a lockout that we've had where oh boy, our our sports is in some kind of labor battle, and our guys aren't playing, and everybody's sour, and and everyone you know fans are angry. I mean, this is just something that's 
that, that, that everybody's been dealing with, and it's been a terrible thing. So they're going to have to adjust, but eight months off is a real, real long time. They're going to play a lot of summer summer leagues, I'm sure, and then they're going to have to play something and get something set up in, in October and in November before they, before they do begin training camp again because it's an oddity, and so you can't prepare for oddities like this. Uh, that, that you definitely can't. Panger, absolutely awesome doing this with you, bud. Thank you very much. Uh, just great to break down all these different scenarios and really get into uh, you know some real deliberate thought about what this all means moving forward. And, and by the way, I love some of the social media stuff as well. I noticed that the Minnesota Wild because they'll they'll face the uh, the Vancouver Canucks and they've had a little rivalry. Yep. And uh, so they've gone they've done a little social. Uh, media going back and forth already so i think we're we're going to get the competitive juices flowing uh, not just with the players the broadcasters the managers but also everybody internal in in, in our teams uh social media included because they make it a whole lot of fun so it should be should be a lot of should be really interesting go, coming coming down the stretch here yeah i got a little kick out of the blues putting a social media post out yesterday it said playoffs clinched <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's great. <laughs> that one made me chuckle, too. Hey, buddy, uh, have a great time. Uh, stay rested now because uh, we're going to get going here before too long, man. Looking forward to it. Yep, sounds good, Curbs. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Darren Pang joining us here on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. We'll bring you back in a moment, and you'll hear from the Commissioner, Gary Bettman, on 101 ESPN. Well, one final time, we bring you back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. And we were finishing our basement during this downtime. We have part of the basement carpeted, and then we decided, well, we want to put in some hardwood or even the luxury vinyl uh, hardwood-looking floors kind of near where the walkout door is. We decided to go with the luxury vinyl. I called up Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. They got the product in quickly. They got the product delivered quickly. They have installers that can install it professionally. It was a spectacular experience for us, and you can have it in your home as well. I loved working with them. It's Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. They're a local family-owned business doing quality work in our community for more than 22 years. Three area showrooms are open. Give them a call at 314-730-3100 and shop online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Hey, I want to thank Darren Pang for joining us and helping us break down all the play-in scenarios. If you missed it yesterday when Gary Bettman made the announcement on how the play-in scenarios and how the playoffs are going to look for the resumption of play later on this summer, assuming all the medical pieces let it happen. We want to bring you that now. So here is Gary Bettman and his press conference running through not only the play-in scenario and how it will work, but also a very important draft scenario. When the given go-ahead from the medical experts and the relevant government authorities is given, 24 of our 31 teams will resume play the top 12 in each conference as ranked by percentage points from our standings as they stood through the games of March 11th when we paused our season as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The remaining seven teams will enter the draft lottery, which I will discuss in detail later. For purposes of nomenclature, record-keeping and NHL awards, the 2019-20 regular season has been deemed to be completed. We will resume play and conduct the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs in two hub cities that will be identified and announced at a later date. One will be the site for the resuming Eastern Conference clubs. The other will play host to the resuming Western Conference clubs. Each will have secure arenas, 
practice facilities, hotels, and local transportation for our players, coaches, and essential staff. We expect that our clubs will be permitted to travel a maximum of 50 personnel to their hub city. A very limited number of support staff will be able to access the event level at each venue. A comprehensive system of testing will be in place in each hub city. We are currently in phase one of our pause during which clubs have been instructed to self-isolate as much as possible and have done so. In early June, we expect to be able to enter phase two during which clubs can return to their individual practice facilities for voluntary small group on and off ice training. Yesterday, we released a comprehensive protocol that will govern how we will operate in phase two. Phase three of our return to play plan will be the opening of formal training camps. The timing of our entry into phase three again will be determined by guidance from medical and civil authorities. While we are anxious to open camps as soon as possible, we don't envision doing so before the first half of July. Finally, when appropriate, we will move to phase four in which our participating clubs will report to their respective hub cities and we will resume play. Obviously, we anticipate playing over the summer and into the early fall. At this time, we are not fixing dates because the schedule of our return to play will be determined both by developing circumstances and the needs of our players. For various reasons, we are also not announcing at this time which two cities will serve as our hubs. Things are evolving rapidly, and when we decide on locations, we want it to be on the best available information at the time that we need to make that determination. In the meantime, I can say we have narrowed the choices to a number of cities that as of today include Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. There are no shortage of candidates that can help us do this. Again, the final determination will depend on COVID-19 conditions, testing availability, and government regulations. The top four teams in each conference will claim automatic berths in the first round of the playoffs. They will play intra-conference round robins, each playing the other three teams to determine their respective seeds in the first round. These games will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules with ties in the final standings broken by regular season points percentage. The remaining eight teams in each conference will play in best of five qualifying round series to determine which four in each conference advance to the first round of the playoffs. The matchups for these series, again, are based on points percentage at the time of the pause. These games will be played with playoff overtime rules. Once the round robins and qualifying rounds are completed, we will conduct conference-based playoffs in each hub city. The winners of the qualifying round robins will advance to the first round with each opposing one of the round robin teams. Since we have endeavored to be sensitive to players' preferences, the matchups for the first round series remain to be set as the return to play committee is still discussing 
whether to determine them through seating or via a bracket. In addition, the return to play committee is still discussing the lengths of the first and second round series and whether the second round matchups will be determined through seating or via bracket. In any scenario, the conference finals and Stanley Cup final will be best of seven. The sites of the conference finals and Stanley Cup final remain to be determined, although based on what we know today, we expect those series to be played in one of the two hub cities. We believe we can get the qualifying and first two rounds of the playoffs completed in little over a month. Here are the 12 teams that will be resuming play in the Eastern Conference and assigned to Hub City 1. In the Western Conference, the top four teams by points percentage at the time of the pause, who will play round-robin games to determine their playoff seeding are the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. The qualifying round series matchups in the Western Conference are as follows. Number five, Edmonton Oilers versus number 12, Chicago Blackhawks. Number six, Nashville Predators versus number 11, Arizona Coyotes. Number seven, Vancouver Canucks versus number 10, Minnesota Wild. And number eight, Calgary Flames versus number nine, Winnipeg Jets. Now to the 2020 NHL Draft Lottery. This is a bit complicated as if what I've already told you hasn't been, and I apologize for that. The draft lottery will determine which clubs make the first three selections in the 2020 NHL draft, and it will be conducted in one or two phases, depending upon the results of the various draws. The seven clubs that did not resume play and the eight qualifying round clubs that do not advance into the playoffs will enter the draft lottery. At the time of the first phase draws, we won't know which eight teams won't advance from the qualifying round. So we have designated temporary placeholders with the odds that the collective group would have had. Phase one draws will be conducted on June 26th prior to the round robins and qualifying round. There will be three separate draws to determine which clubs possess the first, second, and third overall selections in the 2020 NHL draft. Each will include the seven non-resuming clubs and eight placeholder teams that have not yet won a draw. If any draw is won by one of the seven non-resuming teams, that club or the club to which that first round pick was traded gets that selection. If all three draws are won by non-resuming clubs, there will be no need for a phase two. Should any of the three draws not be won by a non-resuming club, we will conduct a phase two before the conference quarterfinals. At that point, the assignment of the remaining top three selections will be determined through draws, including only the qualifying round clubs that failed to advance. For any and all phase two draws, all teams involved will have the same odds of winning. Once the top three selections are determined, all remaining clubs will be slotted in reverse order of their 2019-20 points percentage. Let me give you some explanation. 
The format was adopted in order to maintain the distribution of lottery winning odds that were in place entering the 2019-20 season. In other words, teams that do not resume play have the same odds of claiming one of the top three selections as they would have had if the 2019-20 schedule had been completed. You can see those odds here. As previously stated, all clubs involved in any phase two draw as a group will have the same odds of winning. For a possible first of such draws, each club would have 12.5% chance of winning, one in eight, which means each of the losing clubs in the qualifying round would have, in effect, a 3% chance of winning the first overall pick. That is the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. If you missed any of the show tonight, it'll be podcasted on 101 ESPN.com. Again, my thanks to Darren Pang and also to Mike Ryder for helping in the production of this show. That'll wrap up this week's edition of the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench show. We're back at you next Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Tomorrow night, Play Gloria continues the St. Louis Blues run to the cup as we bring you their first-ever Stanley Cup final victory, Game 2 win over the Boston Bruins. That comes your way tomorrow night with a pregame show at 6 and the play-by-play at 7, right here on 101 ESPN.